All right, playmakers, big news. The 2023 version of my What's Working in the Indoor Play Industry Guide is here. To learn about exactly what is working best right now for real-life currently operating indoor playground owners, head to the show notes to download my fully updated free guide. That's right. Even if you've downloaded one of my What's Working guides in the past, you will not want to miss this new version made specifically with what's trending and fresh for 2023 in mind. Head to the show notes for the direct link or go to michellecarawana.com slash what's working to get the guide in your inbox right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, happy Friday. So I have a quick little episode for you today in part because it's Friday and that's typically what we do here, but also because I dropped a pretty heavy but very important episode for you on Wednesday. So I thought we'd keep it light today. So in this episode, I'm going to share about my recent experience visiting a local children's museum. And specifically, I'm going to share nine things that I absolutely loved about this place. And by the way, if you're listening to this episode as it gets released, I just posted a vlog on my YouTube channel. So basically a video representation of every single thing I'm going to talk about in this episode today. So after you listen to this episode, head to the show notes, click on the vlog link. It's already waiting for you there. Again, I just posted it this morning so that you can see all of these things for yourself because some of these things are a little bit difficult to explain and I really need you to watch the video to really grasp it fully. And by the way, if you do watch the YouTube video, you can skip the first 15 minutes because I'm going to go through exactly what I talk about in this episode. But Just to give you a little context, we did not expect to go to this children's museum on the particular day that we did. Now, we had been planning to visit the museum. We've been living in Buffalo for like 18 months, so honestly, this visit was long overdue. But actually, we were across the street at the Buffalo Sabres game, and it was one of those situations where I knew that my six-year-old autistic son probably wouldn't love the game, but It's one of those things that comes up all the time when you're a special needs parent. And I had to make a decision like, am I going to push him a little bit outside of his comfort zone or, you know, are we just going to stay home? And I was feeling like extra confident this day. We had just gotten back from Disney and it went so well. And I am going to post an episode about our Disney trip shortly about, you know, the things that I loved about Disney as an indoor playground owner from that perspective. But I was a little bit overconfident this day. And I was like, you know what? We got great seats. I can always take him like in the club level. We specifically splurged on club level seats so that I could take him into a quieter restaurant if I needed to, if he didn't like all the noise and stuff like that. So I decided to push him outside of his comfort zone a little bit. And let's just say it didn't go very well. And again, maybe I was a little bit overconfident, but he didn't even make it to the start of the game. And 
I can typically tell like when he's going to be able to push past something and when we should just, you know, wait it out. But I could just tell that this was not going to be a great experience for him. And I also didn't want to detract from my eight-year-old's experience because it was his first hockey game and he was really, really looking forward to it. So I was like, shoot, what are we going to do? And he didn't want to be anywhere in this building, not even in the quiet areas that I had kind of pre-planned beforehand. So I looked and I noticed that this children's museum was like right across the street. So I did a quick once over on their website. I looked at their hours and I was like, perfect. It's, It's open for like three more hours. We'll go there and then we'll meet back up here at the end of the game. And, you know, they ended up only staying for the first two periods, but whatever, whatever. Um, I was like, perfect. Let's walk across the street to this children's museum and it's called explore and more children's museum. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes of this episode, but it's really known as an inclusive play space. And so I was really excited because inclusivity is one of my main values as a business owner. And so I absolutely love seeing things like universal design and inclusion really at the forefront of the design of an indoor play space. So I was really excited and it did not disappoint. And again, I really want you to go watch my vlog after this. The actual vlog part is only like 10 minutes long and it's worth the watch in my opinion. All right, so let's get into the nine things that I absolutely loved about this space. So number one, they were very upfront and very clear on their website about what type of play we could expect to experience when we visited. So I knew that by reading their policies and looking at their pictures and their you know layout and things like that, and they did have a lot of uh, descriptive images and things like that. So I was really able to get a great handle on what to expect before I even stepped in the door, which for any parent is really important, but especially for a special needs parent who is already struggling a little bit that day. So I really appreciated that. And I was able to show my son some pictures and he got really excited. So that you know whole online presence and how descriptive they were and how many pictures they had just kicked off our experience on the right foot. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than when a play space will say right on their website, like, oh, you know, sit back, relax, and let your little ones play while you, you know, have a cup of hot coffee and, you know, something like that. And then you walk in and it's like 14,000 square feet. Everything's wide open. There's a million different things you are expected to play alongside with your child. And, you know, the online vibe just doesn't fit with the reality of the indoor playground. So I love that. I knew exactly what to expect before I got there. Number two is that it was very inclusive. And again, this is when you have to see to kind of grasp, but they had a ton of universal design implemented, meaning that an able-bodied person and somebody with different abilities were able to use the space very similarly. And I absolutely loved that. So they had a lot of wheelchair accessible areas, even gross motor play equipment, which again, I really tried to call out specifically in the video. And they also had a nice sensory room that we definitely utilized when we were transitioning from one type of play into another. And you could tell that every single thing in the space was extremely intentional. And again, inclusivity and accessibility were absolutely at the forefront of whoever designed the space's mind. So I absolutely loved to see that. Number three, I loved that literally every single, like every single picture, every single exhibit, every single piece of equipment, every single thing in this 
Play Museum was sponsored by a local business. And it was done really tastefully. And again, I have this in the video. I know I sound like a broken record, but it's true. But it was done really tastefully. Like they had these really nice metal engraved plaques on the wall and they had the business logo really tastefully done so that it didn't feel like I was walking through a commercial or, you know, it didn't feel like they were being pushy or salesy. It was very, it was really well integrated into the space so that it didn't take away from the aesthetic nature of the space or anything like that. So I absolutely loved that. And it signaled to me, you know, as an indoor playground owner that they didn't have to pay for a lot of their build-out expenses. And a lot of people who are opening for-profit ventures will automatically assume that they can't ask for donations from local businesses or they can't seek sponsorships because they're not a nonprofit and therefore the local businesses won't be able to deem any contributions as charitable donations and get those tax benefits. But this isn't necessarily true because when you're putting a logo on a piece of equipment, that local business is now able to call this a marketing and advertising expense. And that is going to be a write-off and it is going to reduce their tax liability at the end of the year or the amount of revenue that's able to be taxed because it reduces their profit. Again, I'm not an accountant, just summarizing here, but you can seek sponsors from local businesses even if you are not a nonprofit. And so many of my indoor playground um, membership owners have done this, Playmaker Society. I couldn't think of it for a second there. Um, But so many people have implemented this and not only saved so much money on their startup costs, but also their monthly operational costs. If they're selling space on their website or if they're constantly changing the sponsors that they have um, displayed in their space, or maybe they're doing sponsors on their TV that are constantly rotating. So they're able to reduce their operating costs and get a little bit of extra revenue and reduce their build-out costs. So do not discount this as a viable option of doing the same thing for your business. Um, And by the way, if you are in Playmaker Society, I have an advanced training all about approaching local businesses for sponsorships. And I have so many templates and pricing examples and package examples that you can dive in and utilize. And this is going to help you implement the strategy much, 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 much easier. They are tried and true. And Christine from Sweet Peas Play Cafe in Kokomo, Indiana, is one of the people who does this the best. And she actually did the guest expert training on this topic. So If you're in Playmaker Society, go check that out if you haven't yet. And if you're not in Playmaker Society, all the information is linked in the show notes. All right. The next thing we're on number four now that I loved about this space is that they took every opportunity they possibly could to really gracefully thank their donors. So it wasn't just local businesses that were sponsoring these museum exhibits. It was also local families or people that were just really interested in creating this inclusive, accessible indoor play space in Buffalo, New York. So again, you'll see in the video, they had the donors' names on the wall on these really colorful decals. And they also had this really cool like gear structure right when you first walked in. And each gear had a family's name on it. And I thought that was so cool because the kids could actually play with it and they could turn the gears and you know how it works, right? When you turn one gear, all of the other gears in the structure keep turning. And what I loved about that is it really signified that all of the donors, not just the you know people who conceived of the space, 
All of the donors, every single one of them, were absolutely key, and they all worked together to bring the space to life. So I love that it had this really functional play aspect to thanking their donors, and it was just really gracious, and it was really well done. All right, number five, I love that they had a ton of different types of play in this space. And this is one thing I didn't do as well as I could have in my indoor playground business because I really focused on imaginative and fine motor play. I just didn't have enough gross motor play incorporated into my space. And we did try to change that over time, but our space really restricted what we were able to do gross motor wise. So I love that no matter what my child was into that day, whether it be gross motor play or heavy work play or fine motor play or more engineering type play or something like that, there was absolutely something that was available to him. And you'll see in the video, there were some really cool areas that he just wasn't into, but that was okay because we definitely still got our money's worth for the visit. And I love now that there are spaces in this museum that we didn't really get to explore quite as much as I would have liked to. So that makes me want to go back when he's in a different mood and see the space and experience the space through that different perspective. And it's going to kind of seem like a completely different space for him. And I did notice that they also rotate things out seasonally. So I cannot wait to go back, but lots of different types of play. They had gross motor structures. They had a lot of learning activities. Again, they had a lot of heavy work incorporated. And I had to look this one up because my son's occupational therapist says this a lot. So heavy work describes activities that push or pull against the body and creates active resistance. The best kind of heavy work is that which will move as many joints and muscles as possible simultaneously, but only for a short stint. So you'll see in the video, there are so many examples of this. So there were a lot of pulleys. There was a lot of levers to pull really hard down on to wash cars and things like that. And there was one toy that my son or one exhibit that my son absolutely loved where you hook a sandbag up to a rope and you kind of use like a pulley system to pull the sandbag up. So he was really engaging his entire body and he absolutely could not have loved it even more. And he burned off all his energy, which was music to my ears as a parent who was already exhausted and had already been going through it that day. All right. Number six, it was so clean. And you could tell that it was very organized and they really did a lot of continuous maintenance and upkeep with it. And this kind of brings me into point number seven. There were so many staff walking around and making sure everyone was doing the right thing and kind of tidying up behind people. And this really made parents, I noticed, be a lot more diligent about cleaning up after themselves. So the staff members kind of, you know, they were cleaning themselves, but it also signaled to parents like, hey, if you don't clean up after yourself, we're going to have to do this. So again, I noticed a lot of parents cleaning up after themselves and organizing when their child was switching from one activity or one exhibit to another, much more so than I've seen in spaces that aren't as staffed. And while I know that's not possible for every single business, there definitely was a correlation between the cleanliness of the space and the amount of staff that they had walking the floor. And there was a mix of volunteers and mix of paid staff members. I could tell by the way that they were dressed. Um, But this really led to an absolutely excellent experience. And especially around, because there was a huge water table and there was tons of water play and stuff like that, especially when we talk about like the heavy work and stuff like that. But it was a cement floor and it was definitely, you know, water was getting everywhere. (laughs) 
And there was a staff member constantly mopping to keep everybody safe, to keep the floor clean. And again, all of that contributed to our really excellent experience. So if you want to see an amazing water table and water structure, definitely watch the vlog. All right, number eight is I love that there was a wide variety of things for different interests and ages. So I mentioned that I only brought my six-year-old this time, but if I had brought my eight-year-old who is like very into learning and cool facts and science and how things work and all that good stuff, every single exhibit, there was no quote-unquote dead space. Every single wall spot, every single corner, every single nook and cranny was utilized to either have another toy or a thing to play with or to have informational boards. So while my six-year-old could be playing with, you know, the train set or something like that, or in one specific scenario in the vlog, he's playing with a car dryer. So it's like the little car wash setup and exhibit. And everywhere they had informational boards about why we do this this particular way in a car wash, how this vacuum process works, how water filtration works. And there were so many cool facts. And I could just see my eight-year-old standing there for an extended amount of time and walking away with so much new knowledge. And he's just, again, so into that now. So I loved that they were really intentional about that. And they really went above and beyond to make sure that the experience was not just as fun as possible, but also as educational as possible. So I thought that was really cool. And again, it's one of those things you got to see to really grasp. So I really detailed that and called attention to it in that vlog. And then finally, number nine, I loved that the space had so much local flair. So in addition to those informational boards that had all of the, you know, behind the scenes, how stuff stuff works, facts, and things like that, there was also a lot of his history and historical facts and explaining the culture of Buffalo and its origins and For example, at the water table, you know, we have the um, Lockport Locks, I think it's called. And we also have like the Erie Dam. And there's just a lot of um, cool stuff when it comes to water in Western New York and Buffalo in particular. So it kind of mimicked a lot of those local structures and a lot of that local history. And it explained, again, why this is important, how dams work, how it contributes to our local economy and stuff like that. So It really took that information and really brought it to a local level. And I could, again, see my eight-year-old reading this stuff and being like, I want to go see Niagara Falls again. I want to go here. I want to go see here. Now that he knew how all of it worked and just how crucial all of these things work together to, again, create the town that he grew up in and that he knows and loves today. So I love that they put so much local emphasis on this space because it made it really unique. It made it really stand out from every single other indoor playground and museum that we've ever visited. And a museum in another state or another town couldn't replicate this, right? Because it was so specific to our area. And I thought it was really smart because while it is probably typically frequented by local families, it's great for tourists as well because it's not that far from Niagara Falls. And it's also right by Canal Side and the Sabres Arena and places like that. So it's really great for tourists to learn more about Buffalo, which I know is one of the goals of any tourist attraction. So I absolutely loved all of those local aspects. And there was a bunch of stuff about our local sports teams and things like that too, which I know would have excited my eight-year-old. So I thought that was really cool. 
All right. So again, the vlog that details and showcases all of this stuff so that you can see it firsthand is linked in the show notes. I just published it today if you're listening to this episode as it gets released. But other than that, if you found this little roundup helpful and you like me sharing what I like and what I don't like about spaces, please send me an Instagram message. Let me know if this was helpful. I love doing this sort of thing. And I visited so many spaces that I could do episodes like this for days. So please, please, please let me know. I would love to hear from you. And as always, if you found this episode helpful, the best way you can show support for me or for the show is to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. All right, have a great weekend. I will see you Monday. day.